Okay, with the director and producer of Our Crown and Glory, Askley Berger and Askia Drew, uh, a, a film about the exploration of the embracing of black haired joy. Uh, for me personally, funny story is that I remember Chris Rock did a movie, I don't know if you guys saw it, called Good Hair, maybe about 14 years ago. And my camera operator at the time, we we're doing the, the events. She loved this movie, but she thought that she that black hair got a bad rap. And she always said that there should be a better movie about the embracement of uh, black hair joy. And I want to track her down. She doesn't work for us anymore. I want to track her down because I think she, she's going to love your film. Because she kept talking about how there needs to be a better film than the Chris Rock good hair movie. So did you guys see that film way back when, the good hair film? I did. Oh, yeah. I yeah. did. I did. Yeah. What was your opinions of the film? Um, I thought it was okay. I do feel it could have been better um, shown. I think the main thing is they just focus on women and, you know, they forget that, you know, there's black men who do hair care products. And I feel like they only focused on the process, the relaxer and the weaves and not the journey and the real history of our hair. So I think it could have been a little bit better. Not the yeah. thematic. It was more about the the. It was almost like a judgment of like how much time and money it costs to do the hair. I guess right. Yeah. 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 The major things that I remember about that documentary was the hair show because that was one of the first times that I was aware that hair could be used as art uh, in a different way that I had never seen that in that way before. Uh, and then I also remember the uh, uh, the auction of like, like the difference of like who buys hair and from where, and I like the whole thing of when they when he went to India and like yeah. those women cut off their cut off their hair for religious yeah. reasons, and then that hair was then sold to America, and oh, then yeah. that's what what people are buying in the store. I just I those were the most significant things yeah. that I remember about the documentary. And I don't know if that's a good thing because the documentary was supposed to be about black people and their relationship with their hair. And my takeaways from that were the none of that. Yeah. <laughs> none of that. Well, it was fake yeah. hair. <laughs> the, their relationship yeah, it was. Yeah. 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 In perms. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great metaphor because they're they're doing it for religious reasons, but then it they sold it for capitalistic reasons, I guess, right? So right. like Exactly. Yeah. The Eastern yeah. philosophy was the, for religious reason. Let's, but then the cell, the Western world is going to buy, is going to yeah. buy that Eastern philosophy right. here for capitalistic right. reasons, I guess, right? Right. right. Exactly. I always found that. Yeah. I found that's. I found that interesting, and yeah, you know, it is. It's a. It's a. It's a fascinating culture and experience. Yeah, it is. On that <laughs> note, let's talk about your film. So, Crown and Glory was it was your last year student project, right, Ashley? Yes, um, my last year in grad school, last semester in May. Um, so basically, this was for my documentary class. And my professor at the time, she was just like, okay, you guys need to do a documentary, any topic. And uh, originally, my first one was going to be on a soul food restaurant. But the people I was reaching out to, they never got back to me. And I was like, okay, well, I don't have time <laughs> to go back and forth. So then my next passion was like, well, black hair. I'm like, I, I wear, it's my hair. And I want you to build on that story and so I started developing on that and then me and Askia were on a project together um, I was a producer on it and he was the DP on it and then we met and then I told him about it and he just got everything together and we just flowed with it so really this was my last grad school project that I did for school what school was it 
Academy of Art University in San Francisco. So did you, you pass the class? I sure did. I sure did. I got a A minus in her class. Yeah. What what was the, why not the plus? Why did you only get an A minus? You know, she said that she said she only gives A's to people that she expects to be given Oscars to after they watch their documentary. Oh, I like that. I like that teacher. I like that. It's yeah. like perfection. And seeing that she yeah. like has one, that it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but you know, <laughs> she was impressed with my documentary. Um, and actually, this was the original was shorter. We were only supposed to do like fifteen minutes. Okay. So I, I told Ski, I said, okay, when I'm done with grad school, I want to extend it. I want this to be longer. And then my editor was amazing. And we just we just got in and just started doing extra finding extra BTS and making it happen. And um, then I was like, let's do film festivals. Let's just make it happen. So yeah, originally with like 15 minutes. Yeah. And is it you think it's better at 29? Yes. Yeah. Way, yeah. way Maybe. better. Okay. The feedback that I've gotten from family and friends has been outstanding. So yeah, definitely. Okay, so tell me about the process of this film because it's a it's a, it's your, your it's a historical journey. There's obviously a nice thematic there. Do you write a script first before you start filming, or like to have a kind of loose idea of what you want to tell, like or what's the process for you, like or do you just go out and start shooting and interviewing people and then kind of figure it out in editing and editing. Honestly, for this particular thing, this is my first documentary. So I kind of just had an idea and then I talked to Ski about it. And then I just kind of went out and started figuring out the pieces as I went. And then I started kind of coming back and writing things down. And then me, Ski, and my editor, we started piecing the uh, the pieces together. But really, this was just, I went by my heart and my passion and feeling of how I wanted this to be done and really show the beautifulness of our hair. And I really, really, really had to get the men in there because I feel like when we talk about black hair, most people talk about black women, which is nothing wrong with that. But I feel we forget about the black men. And I, my main goal was to have a mixture of men and women talking about their hair care experience. So that's just how I did. It, it was just a flow with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for, for me, I, I um, you know, documentaries are I like documentaries. So uh, um, I kind of kind of knew, OK, these are things that other documentaries have in them. So when and I made sure that we did those kind of things similar. So, you know, we know that there's interviews and, you know, mm. uh, BTS and all that. So, uh, and then, you know, uh, uh, and I wanted to make sure that there was like a good balance between the the two. Uh, mm. So, you know, I made sure that we had, it, it, we go to a predominantly white school. So it was very easy to find my classmates that uh, could be, who could express their feelings about black hair. So I was like, all of my friends, I just said, hey, we're, we're making a documentary, let's do it. And they all, they all were on board. So I just, I brought, I brought just basically all my friends and my classmates. Uh, like I said, there wasn't that many of us to choose from. So I just said, all of y'all, let's go. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they came and, you know, I told them what, what we wanted. And you know they delivered for us. Yeah. Um, but I've seen enough documentaries, and I knew, I kind of knew what we, what I wanted it to look like. So, and then you know, and then Ashley kind of let let it happen that way. So we we did it. That's how we did it. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And this is all done in San. This is all done in San Francisco. 
yep. all done in San Francisco. Area. Well, the Bay Area, yeah. The yeah, Bay Area. It was, so, I'm assuming, I guess Oakland has a, a big black population, but I'm, I think San Francisco, not so much. That's my ignorant perspective. It does. It does. San Francisco has a big black population as well, but we were in San Francisco. We were in Vallejo. We were in Pittsburgh where we did our, our photo shoot. We were kind of all over. So everybody that you saw in the video went to our school or I worked with them and we were all friends. So I, I pretty much kind of did a, uh, a collaboration like that. But yeah, Oakland and San Francisco have a big black population for sure. Yeah. Okay. So tell me, okay. So what was the first day you kind of, you said you kind of just went out and shot, you got some different, like you saw some stuff out on your phone. I'm, I'm seeing different kinds of cameras. What would, what did you do on the first day of shooting? What did you kind of like set out to do to set out to explore? Well, the first, first day before I even brought a ski on board, I actually went to the brace salon where I actually have gotten my hair braided. Um, and I went in my stylist at the time I asked her, can I take, you know, footage of, you know, women, kids getting their hair braided. And I really want to make sure I didn't get too many much of the kids because they're little girls. And, you know, I didn't want their parents to be like, who is this girl, you know, hurt my child yeah. in this video. So um, I got consent. And so I really tried to get more of the adults in their hair. That was the very first day of shooting before Skia got on board. And then after getting feedback from my professor and then talking to Skia, then it kind of went a different direction. So the very first day was at our friend BK's house, who um, I currently, well, I used to work with in education and he let us use his house. Skia got his crew. And then our friend Michaela, who was on set, she was actually part of the crew. I met her that day on set, saw her hair. I was like, oh my gosh, you need to be in this. Cause it was very colorful braids. I was like, how ironic your hair is so dope. You need to be in this in that same day. <laughs> she was like, uh, okay. And she was just one of the third interviews that we did. It was way more interviews that we did that day, but we cut them down because um, it just had to flow and make sense. So the first day officially with a ski on board was at our friend's house. Okay. Yeah, so so you, you know, what, I, what I know, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. So what I know about, you know, what I, about documentaries is that, you know, it's very talking head heavy kind of so uh, we kind of wanted to you know do all the talking heads first um and and then use you know and then elaborate on what the talking on what the people had to say so gotcha. once once i established who we were going to film and then it was okay and they know what they what our topic is what they have to talk about uh once we really got into that uh we kind of spread that out over a couple of days to do those interviews. But the main goal was we want to hear what the people have to say, and then we'll craft a narrative around, around them. And that's, that's really what we did. So the first day was, these are the people we want to interview. Let's make it look as dope as possible and let them as tell them, let them have a space to be free and honest about how they feel about their hair. Right. And we we gave them all the same questions. We wrote down the questions okay. um, and then we sent them to everybody. So everybody who we were uh, going to interview had the same questions. And then 
each time someone got on set, I asked them different questions or a skia what pick and choose. So we had the same questions, but sometimes we would switch it up so we can get different answers for everybody, including when I got interviewed, you know, a skia asked me different questions just to, you know, shake it up a little bit. Okay, yeah. so then you did you did some of the interviews, and then I'm because I'm curious about the the stock footage and kind of the historical aspect of it. So was that always on your mind? Was that always something you were going to do in the film? Yes, yes, yeah. that was kind of the point. Yes, okay. the point was, uh, what do we want people to know that they may not already know, mm-hmm. and uh, and then we knew who are, who would our audience be. So I was assuming that our audience would be predominantly white people. Uh, um, that was where I was thinking. So I was thinking, well, and but then also there, as a black person, there's some history that that could be edifying that we need to know as well. So once we established who we thought our audience was, it was very easy to kind of uh, so why, uh, decide. But why did you say that? Why did you say think that it was going to be that that was going to be your audience? Um, well, because, because of the nature of how the project came about, like we're, we're taught, like you treat your professor as if she is the audience and uh, we go to predominantly white schools. So our classmates are going to be the ones who see it. And we go to school with predominantly white classmates. So, and uh, I wanted a bigger spectrum. So (laughs) but yes, I knew that I knew who would see this. But in my mind, I was like, well, this is really made for people who want to know more about our hair and just yeah. really understand the history of black hair and not just the trend of it, but know the roots and in, in, in the foundation. So my thing was, is very it was very important for me to get the historical aspect of it. And because even some of our own people who look like me don't know the history of our own hair. So that's sure, why. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking more of not just, you know, people that I went to school with, but whoever sees this, let's all learn something. And I learned something while I was filming myself, you know, likewise, likewise. Yeah, Yeah. there there must be must be a little bit of a fear that you have to like for your culture, for your uh, your background, you have to get it right. You have to get the historical aspect right. So then when someone's watching it, they're not going to go, no, 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 no. Like, did you like, you know what I mean? Like, were you worried about that a little bit? Like making sure that you got it all perfect? I wasn't because I know my history very well. um, And I know my culture and I know me and I represent my culture, I would say quite respectfully. So I knew getting the history of my hair for all of our hair, I knew it would be done right. And I just want to make sure we pinpointed what made sense and what didn't make sense. So for me, I wasn't too concerned about that. But at the same time, there are people who who definitely know our history. So I would want to make sure if they do fact check, it's correct. And they don't have to be like, mm, they got this wrong. You know, so I really wanted to make sure we we showed the history with grace and factuality and also very uplifting to make people be like, yeah, this is, this is, I didn't know this, or I didn't know this, but they told it, told it differently than a previous mm-hmm. video. That I saw. Yeah. Yes. Like the, exactly the way she said it. It was, it, the goal was, oh, wow. I didn't know that. That's cool. Like that was, <laughs> yeah. that was, well, that's, you know, yeah. Right. Right. That, <laughs> that was, that's our starting point because you know, that's, that's how we felt about it. Yeah. And so once we established that that's the tone that we wanted to set. And yeah. uh, we we kind of went from there. And so that's how, that's hopefully how it feels. It's like, oh, wow, I didn't know that. That's cool. 
and hopefully that's how it feels when you watch it. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's like for someone like you said, like I'm a white male, so I'm watching the film and I'm learning as I go. I'm like, oh, that's interesting, and you're kind of splicing like the history with the present day, right? So this is this is sort of where we where mm-hmm. we started, or like from a from a I guess from a, a history standpoint, like where we learn we we have like the beginning of the information of like how this started and basically because i'm sure it even goes way back even farther right like i'm sure there's even something even way farther than that yes exactly it goes back to even egypt you know egypt a lot of the sculptures that you see they had locks they had braids and that was talked about and even to this day we still wear hairstyles that are tribal whether we realize it or not you know and a lot of us may like laugh you see on Instagram or TikTok oh that's funny but it's like well no because I saw something on Instagram like months ago and it was a very tribal haircut that was modern and some some black guy was doing it and people were like no what are you doing this and that and I remember I commented and I was like, well, if you know your history, you would know that this, this is off of a, a Fulani tribe or some tribe in Africa that was, you know, three, 400 years ago. So no, what he's doing is correct, but you don't know. You know what I mean? So it's like, I still had to make sure that it so was You're educated. saying that the comments in social media platforms are not correct sometimes? Is that what you're saying? Sometimes they don't. <laughs> yeah. I'm mean, joking around. I'm just like, it's yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're still educating ourselves because some of our culture, people like us, some of the black culture don't know the history of our hair. They don't know, especially the younger generation, because I'm a millennial. I'm 35. So it's like, you know, the ones who are like, you know, the teens, earlier 20s, a lot of times they're like, I didn't know this. And it's like, yes, our history is is a constant cycle of our hair. If we wear hair in Bantu knots, that's a reason. If we wear cornrows, there's a reason why. These are called singles, you know, but yet people call them, you know, knotless braids or, you know, so there's a reason why our history still needs to be told, especially for our hair. And also you see other cultures wearing it and it's like, well, you don't know the history. And I really want to make sure that we acknowledge that if you're going to wear our hairstyles, know why and know the history. Don't just put it on because it's cute. That was also another thing I wanted to yeah. comment. But I'm sure you're yeah. going to get both perspectives, right? You're, you're going to get someone just to do their hair because it's cute. You're like, you have to be, you know, realistic, I guess, right? Yeah, I right. remember, like, you're, you said you're 35, so I'm in my 40s. I remember, yeah. this probably before your time, when Al, you know Allen Iverson, the basketball player? Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah, of course. That was I my had a crush that was, on him. Okay. That was yeah. You watch, that was we had a whole segment of, of Alan Iverson in our documentary because that's yeah. was my yeah. personal hair gold person. There you um, go. Yeah. So yeah. I remember that. I remember that too. We're like we're like that was the cord the cornrows. We're like I'm from a white suburban you know uh, uh, background where people were like, what's he doing? Like it's like like what what how like how dare he? It was almost like a high like the you know the white bias media yeah. were like how dare he do that right and he was yeah, yeah. he was elegant in his explanation he was like I'm doing it because of this and it was mm-hmm. like he was educating the, the 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 masses I guess right yeah exactly I mean it was just like with Colin Kaepernick when he wrote uh wore his afro yeah. you know and he took a stand just being themselves he was yeah, just being himself he was like yo we grew up wearing a style like this. Why would mm-hmm. I change my hairstyle just because I play professional sport? Like, mm-hmm. does that does that make sense? Uh, yeah. You yeah. know, <laughs> and it just exactly. like this. This is like what I'm guessing. What I'm getting at is like this is a there's a deeper documentary here, right? Where like, like you're because that's why I was curious what you were saying. Where like you're saying that it's a white audience is going to watch this film. 
which is interesting because it's like there's a there's a lot of ignorance, I guess, and obviously you know unconscious mm -hmm. or conscious racism that that occurs with like the Kaepernick, like how obvious was that racism racism from the media, like right. what? Mm -hmm. So you know what I mean? Like there's like like because there's like he's doing it for a reason. There's not just because he you know what I mean? Like there's it's it mm -hmm. you're diving into something extremely interesting. I guess that's basically what I'm yeah. saying. Cause, exactly. Yeah. And it's an ongoing thing. It's an ongoing conversation because every single day we change up our hair. Every single day, little girls and little boys in school are getting made fun of or getting questioned, why is your hair this way? Or can I touch it? Can I, you know, all these things. So this is a constant conversation until people realize, leave our hair alone. Our hair can do millions of things because that's just how it is. And it's beautiful and, and we shouldn't have to be banned. That's why the Crown Act, I had to bring that up because that was something important. A lot of people didn't know about the Crown Act and how we, California, were the first state to make it legal. But the fact that we had to even make a law yeah. to make it okay for me to wear this to work. And, you know, if I have kids, my daughters or my sons, that to me was, you know, really, um, it's, it's very sad to know that we have to make a law to make sure it's okay to be ourselves, you know, so... That was important that I ask you to, to, to if they can touch your hair. Do people actually do that? Yeah, um, I'm a teacher by day and <laughs> I just got I live in L.A. And I literally just got that asked about two weeks ago from a white lady. And she was like, oh, my gosh, your hair is so pretty. Can I touch it? And I said, don't you not know the salon song? Don't touch my hair. I didn't mean to have an attitude, but that irritated me. So I did tell her that <laughs> it's like, no, you was cannot. Like, touch was she like, was she like a parent or something or she was a teacher? Oh, she's a teacher. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Teacher. But I, I just left that school district and I, I will be predominantly in an all black and brown school district where I would feel a little bit more like, I mean, there's it's still teaching. So you still have your issues, but I just didn't want to be in that space where I was like an exhibit and I felt like I'm an exhibit there, to be honest. And I was just like, I'm not, <laughs> you know, but that still happens. They want to touch your hair. I had my students ask me, is that really your hair? I'm like, yes. You know, like all these things. And then the black kids that were there, they had braids like myself and they would be more willing to talk to me because it was a relatability of our hair. Sometimes we can talk without even talking because you look at someone's hairstyle, you already know the lingo. And that's the thing about our culture. We can speak without being spoken to. And it's just the connection we have. And so I think this documentary, I really want to touch people's lives and realize this is, you know, everyday people, not just the celebs are going through this, everyday people yeah. live this as well, you know. So that was important for me to get through. No, yeah, it, like um, I said, it hundred percent gets through. Like I said, there's a feature. You said you wanted it with 15, 29 minutes, but there's definitely a feature. You're probably moving on to something else, but there's like there's there's a big idea here, right? And it's about yeah. it's about culture. It's about like like someone like someone a white lady teacher <laughs> thinking it's okay that you could touch she could touch your hair, right? Like like yeah. there's something. Like, she's a teacher. She's a mentor to mm -hmm. kids, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, but and that's why it goes back to the again when we when you ask about process, when it goes back to like audience, like who did we expect to see this? And again, like Ashley said, like like initially it was our classmates, and mm -hmm. so we were definitely gotcha. tailoring tailoring it to well what and I, I was thinking well what do what do I think what do I know my classmates know and what do I know they don't know. And then we already know that this is a microcosm of, you know, the rest of society. Mm -hmm. uh, so 
listening to you know what they had to say is wasn't anything different and also I, I teach as well I, I I teach middle school right now and I I teach at a predominantly black school so playing it for my students as well like they're 11 to 14 mm-hmm. and they're right in that age you know where we were talking about having those issues and struggles and you know they they're watching the documentary and they're like oh yeah like I haven't they haven't got to the point yet where someone has challenged them on how their hair should be presented because right now their parents do their hair (laughs) or or uh or they literally look around the classroom and every single person in the room has hair like them so that's not even a thing that they have to acknowledge it so when I showed them the documentary and they're like oh yeah like you know I already expressed myself through my hair I didn't they are gonna know and gonna learn as they get older that you know these are decisions that you are going to have to strategically make because when you walk outside your house people are gonna view you and feel things about you because of how it already grows out of their hair. Uh, uh, so that's that's one of the reasons why we wanted to do this as well, just because I like to see myself in a film as well as learn something new. And, you know, I think we did that. I think, yeah, exactly. I think you accomplished both of those goals. So on that note, because it's all about like what people perceive, what people see. So I, I'm not, I'm no, this is not an original thought. And I know obviously this has been noticeable, but Michelle Obama, I noticed her hair has changed since she's left the White House. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is that? that has, what is, go ahead. What is, what is there? Uh, there's got to be a meaning behind it. I just don't know. Of course. of course. It definitely has meaning behind it because she's no longer in the public eye like that. When she was yeah. working um, in the, when she was in the White House, for one, she was the first black family as far as we know, because let's not get historical because there's probably more people who were in the White House who looked like her, but you know, we didn't talk about it. But um now on, on a historical level, she was the first black family to be there. So she had to have a look that was comfortable and befitting for the American people. And you know, I know a lot of my friends, we joked about it when they were in the office. There's a lot of hot combs and press and curls and grease all up in the White House now because you have a black family and two girls and a mother. You know, we were talking about that, which was hilarious for us. But she was on the highest scale in society. There's no way, unfortunately, she could come on stage with her hair like this. I would have loved to see that happen. The but com- it would have been. The, that's the question I have. I know it's like there's an yeah. easy answer, but why? Why couldn't she? Yeah. Uh, because people assume that braids yeah. mean low class, low status. And the White House Perception. is the highest okay. class and mm-hmm. highest status. Mm-hmm. So, but the whole point, I, like, this is an ignorant point, but the whole point is that she can make it high class because she's she was she's the first lady. She's the most prominent exactly. female in the world, right? Exactly. Yes. Exactly. I, 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 see, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, but, you know... Mm, I, I I disagree with that point. The world You're wasn't ready that, for it yet. The world it wasn't, wasn't ready. Yeah. The world yeah. Was, if she was to say get elected now, right. I think she could go out there now as a first lady and do this, and everybody would love it. But in 20, 2008, 
No, it was it was already a, a big thing that we had a black a male yeah, and a black woman, you know, in yeah. the industry or uh, White House. So she had to play the part. She had to play the look as well as other congresswomen. They had to wear their hair some way. But now it's kind of like, you know, I'm rocking my fro, I'm rocking my locks, and, and and it's okay. It's becoming more acceptable because we're talking more about it. We're fighting for it, you know. No, no, I, I get what you're saying. It's like he, yeah. the, he, he's, yeah. he's, third, he's the trendsetter, like 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 the, the yeah. family. So there, there's certain things that they have to do. Like, um, sorry, I I just got a brain freeze. The the famous uh, actor from the '60s, the famous uh, actor, um, black actor Wesley from this. Sorry, Wesley Tyson. No, no, from the '60s, from way back oh. when, like the first the first black movie star. Um, sorry, for totally bit of brain freeze. Okay. But it's sort of the mold, like he he was he was called out for like taking like token roles and stuff like that. But he's saying I'm the trendsetter. Oh, I got to do the sorry, Cindy Cindy, Cindy Yeah, Cindy yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like I'm the trendsetter. I gotta like I gotta I can't like I gotta open the door. If I just do mm -hmm. what I want to do, the door will shut right away. And it's almost the same right. analogy with Michelle Obama. She's like I'm we're opening the door to something, and like you said, now people the congresswoman senators and the new first ladies can do whatever they they can do they can do more i guess right because she started the trend so i'll even use this as an example yeah. like uh uh like john f kennedy was our first catholic president yeah and people swore that because of his catholicism that he was going to take america in a certain type of direction because yeah. of his religion uh uh that is sort of the same like you know like even now, but it's like, even it's even we, bigger now because of the color of his yeah. skin, right? So yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah. It, it, but exactly. But but even he, a, a white man, very high class, went in in the in the air force. You know, has a predominant has a family that's high class, high status. But because of no one of his particular religious preference had been president before, everybody lost their mind. Uh, uh, so yeah. in the same in the same token. Um, and I think, and I think another thing too, going back to with Michelle, is that the world wasn't ready to be comfortable with getting comfortable. You know right. what I'm saying? Uh, uncomfortable. And I think <clears throat> now we're a little bit more open to seeing maybe the next first lady who may be of Latino or Black descent, rocking braids and locks, and we probably be like, all right, cool. And even other people, other cultures would maybe make a big deal of it, you know, now. Because there's so much movement, there's so much fight for change, there's so much be yourself and don't let your hair be the discrimination of what's going on. But again, the time frame that she was there, which was wonderful for everybody, the world wasn't right for that. And it, and it sucks that that's not the case. But right. again, you're still living in a very European mindset, very, you know, so it's like yeah. the way that we're trying to break through it's going to take a while. We've come a far, a long way, but there's still yeah. a lot of things that need to be broken down in order for us to be fully accepted in the highest position in the, in the world, in the U S as far as that. I mean, you know, the whole situation with Meghan Markle, I would have loved if she came up th to the queen's house in braids. I would have loved to see that, but that was, <laughs> I would have, I was like, yes, but she never did. And that's okay. Yeah. But you know, it, it's, it's small steps, you know, cause I'm telling you, mm -hmm. if I ever marry a prince, trust me, yeah. They're going to see this. You know what I mean? That's just, that's just my problem. Well, yeah. Maybe the next generation. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So, and well, there's, already, yeah. And there's yeah. already so much scrutiny, period. Uh, 
uh, in other areas. And, you know, we're taught don't add to it. And uh, so cultural conditioning is this is something that we can change. So generations have changed it. And now younger generations is saying, well, we don't have to do that anymore. And, you know, hopefully with a documentary like this or the Crown Act or just uh, people, Black people allowing, uh, being allowed to be more of themselves. I hate using the word allowed because I don't, I feel like I shouldn't have to be allowed to be who I am. Come to be more comfortable, I guess, more like, yeah. 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 But they're not going to get, they're not going to get, they're not going to get shot or they're not going to get like, like they're, 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 it's tolerable by the unapologetic. Yeah. Yes. Because now it's, it's something that has to be tolerated. Yeah. And, um, uh, and it shouldn't be something that is tolerated, you know, like yeah. it's not the same as if you were a business person and you came in with, with jet pink hair, you know, like you decided to dye your hair jet pink, you know, and I didn't like the way my hair comes out of my head is just the yeah. way that it comes out of my head. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like those, yeah. like to, to, to say that those two things are the same doesn't make sense to me, even though they're treated as if they are, you know, you can wash yeah. that dye out. This is exactly how my hair is going to be period. Like, I'm And I think <laughs> another thing too, is that we, as, as black people, our culture has to really break free of the, of the mental change of slavery that a lot of us are still under. And because we know during slavery is how we got to this good and bad hair is that's the, the whole reason We've had colorism within our black community and hair issues. It's because of slavery. When you had the mulattoes who were mixed with white because the master slept with the slave. And now you have a fair skinned black woman or black boy who has curly type hair. Oh, well, you have good hair because it's less Negro in you. So there, you know what I mean? So we have to get rid of that and realize if I rock my hair straight, it doesn't mean I'm less black. If I wear a weave, it doesn't mean I'm less black. If I wear a fro or braid, it doesn't mean I'm so black that, you know, I don't do anything else. So we have to just realize what any hairstyle I rock, I'm, I'm who I am and I'm, I'm black regardless. And I think once we as a black, as a black culture realize that we can get rid of the light skin, dark skin, colorism, good hair, bad hair. Because I'm like, what is good hair? Good hair is healthy hair, no matter what race you are. If it's healthy, shiny, strong, you have good hair. Not because it's the more looser curls, it's good hair. You know what I mean? We mm-hmm. have to we have to really understand that because we've held on to that so many for so many years, our people, our Black people. And that's why we have these issues. That's why we also have to make the documentary not just for white people or anybody else, but for ourselves to reassure ourselves how awesome we are and to get rid of these ideals that have been passed on by generation subconsciously because we were enslaved. Yeah, we made the documentary for us. Like we wanted to feel like we did something that made us feel proud, empowered mm-hmm. to just be exactly who we are. And the it's like a bonus that others get to share in uh, that joy. Um, I mean, it, it's it's ours and, you know, we bask in it, but we made it. We made it because we wanted to feel proud and, you know, honor 
the things that made us who we are. Uh, the fact that we could also teach and share at the same time, you know, it's just, it was just icing on the cake. Well, on that note, that's a great way to end it. Fantastic film. I hope you guys are going to make more films. And like I said, this is, this is an important subject. I'm sure you're going to add on to the themes in your future films. So congratulations on this success. Uh, we enjoyed it at the festival and uh, let's talk again when you guys make your next film. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Matt. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Schlemiel.